This is The Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. Check. <laughs> oh, hello. Check one, two. Check. I'm sitting here talking, giving the best, the best introduction that's ever been given and not hearing a lick of sound. Once again, Ben, you do great things, and I appreciate you. You're man. All right, here we go. He's six foot. He's six foot eleven inches tall. Played basketball for Manhattan College on a scholarship. I have to assume he was a center when he played for the team. We'll ask him that in a minute. He won the ECAC Award of Valor, and he even entered the NBA draft. And he just so happened to be born without half of his left arm he's a motivational speaker and i can't wait to hear his story it's the inspiring kevin atlas aka captain hook <laughs> i love it. that was the best intro <laughs> man i, <love> it. <laughs> I call, he, he, captain hook the only reason i said that is because he uh that's his name on instagram and i follow him there <laughs> still wait on him to follow me back but you know <laughs> it is what it is no, yeah. I'm just joking. He follows me. <laughs> he blessed me with that follow. Anyway, Kevin, we start every show with the fast five. We ask for we ask you five quick questions, and we just want five quick answers. That's all. Yes, sir. You ready? That's it. I'm ready. He's born ready. Here we go. Your favorite basketball team? Uh, Golden State. Golden State. Has it always been your favorite team? Hey, I'm a Raider A's Warriors fan. I was born about 20 minutes out, so I know mm. that there's a lot of bandwagoners, but I'm an original back when they okay. sucked that was showing up. Nice. Okay. Back when the Chris Mullen days. Chris Mullen, man. I love that guy. He coached yeah. me a little bit. He's Did good. he really? Yeah. And then coached Baron you. Davis, dream years. Yeah, well, he, his son played on a AAU team under mine, so uh, he was giving me some pointers. I dunked the ball. He told me to dunk it different. And I was like, what are you talking about? Then I learned it was Chris Mullen. And I was like, well, I should probably listen. Yeah. <laughs> but he kicks butt. Chris Mullen. Wow. What a legend. Favorite player. Is it Chris Mullen? Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm. I have a fun story about him. He's the hook shot. You know, you teach a one-armed guy how to play basketball. I stick this nub in people's faces and then give them the old hook shot. So grew up uh, learning about uh, his hook shot and, and watching film. And then, you know, got to meet him down the road, which was very inspiring. It was a good experience. Nice. Was he, was he, was he a nice guy? No, you ain't going to say he wasn't anyway, but tell us, you can tell us, we'll cut it out. Not really. <laughs> hey was man, he nice I'll, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the truth. You guys seem like you keep it real here. So to me, yes. Uh, allegedly just not a people person and he's seven, one, I'm six eleven. So when he saw me, he walked away from two people trying to have a conversation with him. He used me for a shield for the whole night at this event. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman was there a week before he passed away for uh, kind of a timestamp on when this was. 
but we're at a different altitude. So he figured if he could get along with me, he didn't have to talk to anybody else all night. So to me, he was super, super nice uh, to everybody else. You know, that's up for question and not me for me to judge. But as long as I got the love, he asked me well, how yeah. I played basketball with one arm and I stabbed him with it. I nubbed him with it. And he he uh, he cussed very loud at this event because it hurts a lot. I almost broke his rib cage. <laughs> Mm. He said, the hook shot's got nothing on that thing, man. You keep it up. You keep nubbing people. So. <laughs> you keep nubbing people. Nubbing. Did you yeah. have a nickname in uh, when you played for the Manhattan College or in high school? Uh, they called me Hollywood, being from California, out in New York. Uh, they called me the Claw. I was one of the top shot blockers in California. I get a big old mitt hand. Um, and then Captain Hook always stuck, so I you know, just owned it. Right on. Did you didn't like it at first? Not when I was like second, third grade, but it gave me something to dress up for Halloween every year. And, uh, you know, I kept building off of it. And I think just owning yourself and building that confidence and self-love goes a long way. So, hey, man, you just got to accept what you are. That's what I did, with, you know, with Doughboy. People called me Doughboy, and I just said, you know what? I am a Doughboy, and I started eating more. <laughs> there it is, man. Yeah, I just own it. embrace it. I ain't losing weight, Kevin. Yeah. They ain't gonna, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna stop me from being what I am supposed to be. God put me here to be a doughboy. I'm gonna be a doughboy. You know what I mean, Kevin? Respect, my man. Respect, man. Shoot, I'm, I'm liking this already. I'm, I know, I'm really enjoying man. This. I'm hungry though. At I am this a little point. hungry. I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite city? Is it where you were born or another one? Um, man, I'd, I'd have to say Hong Kong. Or uh, New York, it's a toss-up. Wellington, New Zealand, too, is a pretty good one. Um, that's tough. But I, I, I'm going to go with New York City. I'll say New York. Even now, still? Uh, yeah, man. It's like I am legend. No one's there. Like, Thanos snapped his fingers and no that's one's around. True. Oh, yeah. yeah that is true. It's well, always looking at things optimistically. It's, I didn't think of that. You, that's probably when you started liking it, was after everybody left. <laughs> like, oh, I like this. This is nice. Me and my dog. Uh, favorite music genre? Uh, man, I love 90s alternative. Uh, Three yeah, Doors Down? I don't know what that makes me. Three Doors Down went to one of their concerts. Yeah, I like uh, I like all music, though. I'm a big fan of everything. Grew up on country, got into rap because of basketball, got into, you know, house and dubstep and all that nonsense as well. Heavy metal for lifting, but 90s alternative feels like growing up. So, I'm big into polka. How are you in polka? Never. I didn't even know that was a genre, so maybe oh, yeah? I don't like all the genres. What, what's polka? That sounds like a, like I don't a know bad fish or either. something. What? I don't okay. know what it is. Uh, only thing comes to mind is, hit the da da hit the da da hit the da 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 Yeah, that's the only thing I know. Yeah, polka, man. It's like an accordion, yeah. And she has it like a... Wait a minute. Wait, where am I Why can't I get my hand in there right? There it is. I got okay. that. I got that problem too, man. I tried. Yeah, it. you can't get yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I like it. Uh, last one: pasta or pizza? Pizza. You had man. to choose pizza. Pizza all day. I gotta do pizza. Yeah. You're not a cheese pizza guy, right? I hope not. No, no combo or all yeah. meat. The more on it, the better for me. That's what's up, man. You look like a meaty guy. Um, you know, I'm trying to be like you. I mean, 
You hey, see a doughboy, grow a beard. I will like teach you my ways, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I'll wait. my wife would appreciate it, but I would. <laughs> You're six eleven, and I probably weigh more than you. I'm just saying, I am. I got this down. I got it down. <laughs> just let me know. All right, let's get into this thing. First of all, thank you for taking time out of your day to be on this show. We appreciate you. And you are a very inspirational human being. You've done a lot of insp- inspiring things, and I want to hear all about it. Uh, were you? My first question is, were you always confident like you are now? Did you always have motivation, or did that develop through the years? Because I'm sure, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Captain Hook wasn't a term of endearment back in the day. You, you looked at it as uh, probably bullying or something like that and probably mm-hmm. – didn't it didn't affect it affected you different back then i'm sure right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well um no no i wasn't confident i had no self-love i was in, insecure as a human could be uh, which actually helps me now to connect with people through empathy just understanding both sides of that sword uh but yeah man i i grew up with one arm i was born this way i lost it at birth and you know i wasn't breathing doctors revived me a couple times i i you know i was born into a household that was broken uh, parents divorced, you know, dad got cancer and passed when I was young and I held his hand as he kind of passed away. And, you know, so I'm a bastard kid with one arm who's five ten in fifth grade. I had shaggy red hair back then. I looked like Ronald McDonald, uh, just, uh, you know, ugly looking creature who was behind academically in a rich community. I was the poor kid. Uh, so, you know, at a point you just say like, dude, why do I exist? You start questioning all these things. Like, why do I have such a rough start? Uh, and obviously an outcast, I think growing up, everyone wants to be the same throughout high school. Everyone wants to fit in and it's kind of unique and funny how after you get out of high school, everyone wants to be different and stand out. Uh, I think that I, I struggled with self-acceptance, uh, you know, despite caring about what other people think of me, I, I, I think self-love is a core that you really need to obtain in order to be a leader, to be a confident human being, to be a successful human being, and honestly, to be a happy human being as well. And I, uh, I was raised the youngest of six kids and the punching bag to my five older siblings. Uh, definitely, this isn't woe is me. This is my humble beginnings. I caught eating out of a trash can like for lunch because I didn't have money to eat. Like I came, I came up rough, uh, but today I am confident. Today I'm accepting and, and loving of myself and others. So I think that was a period of uh, evolvement over time. I like that. It's I, I figured that was the case. I didn't I didn't know the story of how you grew up, but I figured being born that way is c- could not have been easy during the uh, elementary and and uh, junior high years, especially. But you started playing basketball in high school, right? Or no? I, I tried out for well in middle school. I, I tried out for the seventh grade team. I was six four when I was like thirteen. I mean, that's kind of gross, uh, freakish, freakishly tall kid. And uh, I got cut from the team even at 6'4". The, the coach told me it was a two-arm sport, try something else. So I started basketball going into eighth grade. Uh, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was ranked top 50 players in California. So there was a huge transition, and I credit that to a couple key coaches uh, teaching me to believe in myself. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a big turnaround in five years of never playing a sport into learning and having to adapt and there'd never been a one-armed player. It's not like I could really watch film on that. It was self-teaching. It was, you know, really grinding every single day, uh, but a sport that I fell in love with. 
did did the climate of your your environment change as far as in school with your peers? Did that all change once you became one of the highest ranked top fifty players in in uh, California? Did that all change at that point? My teammates often spoke of that. I was the laughing stock of basketball. Now I was the MVP, even on my own team with my own teammates. Uh, when I was a sophomore, I played in this AAU tournament against the Morris Twins, one of which is, you know, going to the NBA Finals right now in the Lakers. Uh, and I played really well, and this guy had seen me, and he started filming a documentary on my life story. So I would even say, to answer your question before then, I had a documentary filmed on my life for seven years starting when I was a sophomore in high school. And this camera guy just like, dude, this guy's nuts. He's got one arm, uh, you know, he's crushing it on the basketball court. And I, I want to film his life journey. So now all of a sudden I have cameras following me around at school, uh, you know, filming me while I'm trying to cheat on tests. That was, awkward. Uh, you know, just, it was, it was a very strange experience. Uh, but, you know, then all the fakes, you know, people like that attention. And, and so people started liking me for, you know, wrong reasons at first. Uh, then they started to really respect me for what I was doing on the basketball court. So, yeah, things altered and changed as I got better and progressed. Now, was that that movie Long Shot? Yes, sir, The Long uh, Shot, which is uh, on Hulu right now. Yeah. Yeah, I've I seen that. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've seen that uh, it was – I see. I read about the movie, and I, I figured when you started talking about it that that's what that was. Did your Did your mother encourage you to play basketball or no? Uh, she supported me, you know, and she's a very religious woman. I mean, God bless her soul. She's, I had Bobby Boucher's mom. From, everything was the devil. Uh, electricity's the devil. I, I mean, I had to get rid of Pokemon cards as a kid because evolution was the devil. It was ridiculous. Uh, but Y'all so didn't loving. have electricity? I was a, oh, man, <laughs> we had electricity. <laughs> oh, that's from the movie The Waterboy. But, oh, yeah. it, you know, I, I don't want to knock on my mom too hard, but she – she was incredibly loving and encouraging, uh, you know, tried to do the best to support me. She always said God had a purpose for me, which, you know, I didn't understand growing up given circumstance, but, uh, you know, she, she was my cornerstone. She was my rock. The days I didn't believe myself, she did push me. I'm, I'm very blessed with a loving mother who encouraged me to get through those tough times and, and never quit or give up. Well, she was definitely right in the fact that God had a purpose for you. And I believe you're carrying that out perfectly right now sure yes sir yes, he's blessing sir. I appreciate he, he's that. blessing the road did you yeah. so i know you got bullied in school did you did it ever come to uh fighting you know did you ever have to fight with the one arm i gotta know and how good were you uh so funny you mentioned that and we'll get into this right now I'm training to take an mma fight with uh uriah faber ufc hall of famers training me uh for a tv show we're filming a pilot for so I just got back from jujitsu before this podcast. And man, uh, I'll tell you, that that's like uh, going on a date with Bill Cosby. Uh, it, it, my body doesn't feel right. Uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's a little blurry. You look, you oh, man, still a little blurry. A little, blurry, little, little sore in places I shouldn't be. Uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> growing up, I, I got to be honest with you, I no one would want to knock me because I outweighed everybody. I was like a grown man child. I mean, you're talking about I was 130 pounds in sixth grade. Uh, you know, I weigh in 287. I got to drop down to 265 to take this fight. I mean, I'm a big, big guy. So people oftenly, I don't think, you know, 
physically bullied me or even tried because they know I could rip them in half as a kid, like a, like a Frankenstein. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously the acceptance level was never fully there growing up just because I was so different. And honestly, I, I projected that I wasn't confident or loving in myself. So how the hell could anyone else be? I mean, if you can't love yourself, then how the hell can anyone else love you? If you can't accept yourself, then you're not really given an opportunity for anyone else to either. So, you know, I, I don't have any resentment towards that growing up or any of these people because I didn't accept me. So why would I expect them to? And that's just the way I perceive it now. Uh, but no, no, no physical fights uh, growing up at all on the court. This nub, it's all bone. I had a, a, a coach teach me uh, it's a weapon. So this is my bone, like where your bones separate in your forearm. These are two little bones that are like daggers. And I've broken a couple of rib cages on the basketball court. I've broken some noses, not intentionally, but it's the, I'm the world's dirtiest basketball player. There's nothing in the rule book against nubbing people. And it's so strong. So I grind this into people's ribs and backs and they'd always throw an elbow at me and get the foul called on them. The ref would be like, why are you trying to fight the one arm guy? What's, what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> I was just nubbing the heck out of them, uh, beating up these guys. So yeah, very tough guy, but as far as fights, uh, you know, never put to the test as a kid. So you, you mentioned you were, you're fixing to fight in an MMA fight. For a show that we're we're creating called Whatever It Takes, we're filming a pilot. Uh, I have some incredibly awesome partners on the project. We have some potential episodes, including me playing a, a, a one-day contract in the NBA, as well as uh, being one of the first citizen astronauts training to go to space as a, you know literally as an astronaut, which is an incredible experience. But essentially, it's masterclass meets dirty jobs. So we're in the process of filming this pilot. Uh, you know, I have Michael Garnett at Leverage, Mark Wahlberg's company helping out. And I have the, the guys who filmed Entourage helping out. And Uriah Faber, a good friend of mine, he's training me with Team Alpha Male uh, and the whole crew. Uh, they're, they're, they're toughening me up. So I have about five months to learn from the best in the world and then go out and, you know, act, win or lose. I mean, it's a, it's a tip of the hat to the sport. So it's dirty jobs meets masterclass. We're learning from the best in different careers. And I'm a professional student representing the audience, but the, the real guest star is, is Uriah teaching me the ins and outs of fighting. And then I'm going to go take a fight. Mm. Wow. Now, are they going to make you put some kind of glove or something over that nub or what are they going to do? No, that's the thing, man. Nick Newell, my boy, shout out to him. He's a, he's, look him up. He's a one-arm MMA fighter. Really? You don't have to put a glove on his nub. Yeah, yeah, he's great. You got to look up Nick Newell. That kid is, he's a, he's a grappling beast. He crushes huh. it. Uh, so he doesn't put anything on his nubs. So I'm not going to put anything on my nub and, you know, say a prayer for the other guy because this thing is pretty. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking about because I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's like a knife almost. With that, yeah. <laughs> point on that <laughs> I see you winning. I got you winning. I can't wait I to watch so, that. Man. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be a cool episode. We're, we're going to film it very, you know, high quality, and then we're going to shop it. And we have some some uh, networks already lined up. But it'll be an interesting pilot, and we have some awesome potential episodes in the future. So you, you get to learn all the inside masteries of different career paths, and then uh, you get to see this giant one-arm guy try to adapt learn and then go and pursue, you know, win or lose on, you know, whatever that episode theme is. So it should be a very entertaining show. I hope one of the episodes is you playing the accordion in a polka band. <laughs> we'll set it up. <laughs> yeah, set that up. We'll set it on up, yeah. 
Since we're talking about challenges. getting weird. I, like, <laughs> I want to see it. Man. That would be, be an interesting experience. I'm going to be sweating a lot in a lot of these things, man. Yeah. There ain't no reason yeah. to sweat in the poker but, band. Hey, <laughs> man, if you're doing an accordion with one arm, I mean, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Cycle while I play. We'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll have to watch you do it and see how it goes. I don't know how it's going to go, to be honest with you. But I'll be interested in uh, watching that episode for sure. The poker yes, sir, episode. Man, it's, it's cool. <laughs> the poker, oh, the poker yeah. episode. Not the UFC <laughs> one. No no, 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 no. The poker only. <laughs> <laughs> how long you been? Uh, how long you been speaking publicly and and doing those engagements and things like that? And what got you into speaking? in front of people when did you when did, when was the first time essentially when was the first time that you actually got in front of a big crowd and or a small crowd and spoke about your life that's a good question been speaking for seven years which is more fingers than i have so quite a long time uh, i started you know after getting offered a position to play with the harlem globetrotters and you know, it wasn't a lot of money they were offering me and I had this opportunity to go to Uganda, Africa and teach their national team and coach them for several weeks and then uh, played against the Kenya team and we beat them by four and it was a scrimmage and, uh, you know, I got to play and coach on the Uganda team. Everyone was kind of pissed off. They're like, this dude's not from Africa. I'm glow in the dark. Uh, but man, it was the coolest basketball experience I ever had in my life. And then I had one of those God moments and it was you know, I, you know, I was always just asking for purpose, like beyond basketball, just to make a bigger impact. I love helping people. And uh, one of the kids on the team, he was the team captain. He, he was so touched by me and my story. He, uh, he, he said, Kevin, you know, my teammates don't know this. He was crying. And he's like, you know, I, I keep passing out on the court and it's not because of the heat. I have leukemia and I have a tumor in my head. And the doctors told me to quit because they don't want this to progress fast and for me to die. And the coaches told me to quit because they don't want to see me die. And all his teammates were in shock. I mean, he was a better player than I'll ever be. Uh, and, and he looked at me and he's like, Kevin, when I wake up every morning, I pray to the universe, whoever's out there just for a sign of hope. And every night I go to bed, it's the same prayer. I'm desperate just for anything to listen to me. And here you are coming from the other side of the world and showed me to never give up. And I'm going to beat basketball and I'm, or I'm going to beat cancer and I'm going to play basketball till the day I die. And that was, uh, you know, uh, a pretty enlightening experience. I mean, he was, you know, the answer to my prayers is I was the answer to his. And here we are randomly, like in the same room on the other side of the planet. And, uh, you know, today he's cancer free. He got sponsored. He's cancer free, still playing That's basketball awesome. in Uganda. And I, I took a leap of faith. I was broke in New York City uh, with some opportunities to continue on with my basketball journey. And as much as I love basketball, uh, I wanted to do something bigger. So, I just said, hey, I'm going to figure out how to make a living just learning and helping people in any way I can, whether it's missionary or otherwise. Uh, my first engagement was the United Nations General Assembly Room for National Disability Day. And I'd never spoke and I didn't know how to speak. And I, you know, was not confident at all. And I went in there and I had to pee the whole time. I was a nine out of 10 on the pee scale. I was hurt. My bladder was about to explode. I'm not going to lie. And they finally got to me and I spoke for 20 minutes and uh, everyone gave me a standing ovation and the MC of the event was like, who wants Kevin to MC the rest of the event? And he probably had to pee too. And, uh, he made it, man, oh my gosh, that damn near appeared in my pants, but it was such an interesting experience that I could connect with people through my hardships. I didn't realize the impact you can make on people's lives and really uplift and help yeah. them. 
So I just started to take random events and, you know, even untrained, even raw, even just story and message and heart, I connected with people in a way through the power of empathy, where I just kept getting called back and getting bigger and bigger and bigger events. Uh, today, I'm the face of this company called Varsity Brands. Their CEO asked to just, you know, put me on retainer and have me exclusive because, you know, they, they want to put me at target schools and they think I'm, you know, the best at connecting with American youth. So they keep me busy. We're, we're doing about 100, you know, tour dates a year. Uh, you know, for the last five years, I've, uh, you know, been on my max was 182 planes in a year. I've been to 49 U.S. states. I've been to every continent but Antarctica. Uh, I was supposed to go to Alaska and Antarctica this year. I would have gone to all 50 states and every continent in the planet, and I'm 30. So, you know, from a, a small kid from a town in California to, you know, being an international impact on people's lives, that is a blessing. And that is just a leap of faith doing, you know, kind of just following my heart and following my passion to really impact and help people. And currently I'm, you know, working with Wahlberg's company and uh, some other awesome individuals in LA to essentially just find bigger platforms to make even bigger impacts. There's so many different tools, including this podcast, TV shows, movies. Uh, we're making a, a motion picture based on my life story. So we had the documentary qualify for an Oscar. Now we're gonna make a motion picture, like a blindside soul surfer type of movie. We have Billy Ray on it. We have all these, this, the incredible actors and we're, we're financing it or, or trying to find the money to raise. We have a beautiful script where it, it's been a very humbling experiencing over these last, you know, eight years, seven years, uh, into, you know, somebody who is, is really just a, a ray of sunshine and a world of darkness for others. And it's been a blessing to be that. That's, that's, that's great, man. That is, I'm, I'm so glad that it's not all, it's not every day. And it's not all the time that, somebody has some adversity and it turns out the way that yours is because God is really, because, but here's the thing, God honors effort. So you're putting forth effort and that's where, that's what the, the, the saying, not the saying, the, the scripture that faith without works is dead. So you're putting in the work and that is you're at, you're, you're showing your faith and you're, you keep saying leap of faith and he keeps honoring your effort and you, and you're growing, you're growing bigger and bigger as you know, no pun intended, you're growing bigger and bigger uh, in everything that you do, and that's amazing. And I, I'm so glad yeah. to hear it. And if anybody deserves it, it's it, I don't even know you that well, but I can tell you deserve it. And yeah, I know you've been through a lot. That. And uh, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad that I discovered you. I don't even remember how I found you. Now you were some you were on some other channel or page that I followed. And uh, as soon as I seen your story, I said I got to. I got to follow this guy's journey. I want to, I want to know more about him. I can't remember who it was, but I wish I could. But uh, it's funny when I said, it's funny when I said, did you, where did you start speaking? Right. And I said, big crowds, Mark. He said, I started speaking at the, the UN. And I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Start at the top. <laughs> yeah. Right. Man. Start right at the top and you get, what do you do? What do you do after that? You, you, yeah. You really, yeah, you really like then you go from the UN, you get your training there that you can't get better training. I than know, that. right? You so, re you remind me a lot of uh, one of my heroes growing up was my aunt. I had an aunt Juanita that uh, she was a quadriplegic, and no she yeah, and she had use of one hand, and she would uh, sculpt busts of governors. 
She had, I'll never forget this growing up, she had three tribute to mankind plaques on her wall. Wow. What is that? It's just these plaques that uh, actually one of them, uh, the president gave her. She, she's done, I mean, she, she's a writer. She, she's done so much, I can't even mention all of them. But she, um, she was one of those people that <laughs> you might, you know, you might complain before you got there to her house, and you might complain after you leave, but you didn't while you were there. Well, you can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> you you know, and she was, she was an amazing woman, and you, you remind me a lot of her. And, um. Just a, well, I appreciate you know, that. She yeah. she sounds like your aunt Juanita sounds like a real rock star, and that oh, yeah. you know I I have, I have so much to learn, and and, and you know I'm not going to claim to be the wisest human on the planet, but I will stand by this. You know, with my life is your aunt, myself. I mean, disabilities are in your mind. I mean, if you are disabled, if you kind of give into that, then you're disabled. My my disability is in my arm. I mean, I I could sit here, I could tie my shoes faster than either one of you. I put a hundred bucks on that easy. Um, and that, that's not a boast. That's just like your disability is limitation on your mind. The, the human ability to adapt is incredible. Uh, you know, for, for me, it's my disability wasn't my arm. It was what other recruits, other college coaches perceived what I could do. Their limitations of what I could do in their mind was my actual disability. They were the ones disabled, not me. And, and, and that is a very sharp perspective. So your aunt is doing things that people couldn't really imagine how to do with, you know, two arms, two legs, whatever. She's out there right. just crushing it. Uh, but she's not disabled because she hasn't allowed herself to be held back. And, and we all have a different disability limitations in our own way. It's really just these narratives we tell ourselves. And you have to release yourself of that in order to maximize your potential. So sounds like a wonderful woman. Oh man, she was, she was, she was amazing. And, uh, she, you know, uh, she, I was in that house, just that household. My my grandmother uh, was in the poetry hall of fame with with my with my aunt Juanita. She she took care of my aunt Juanita, and they. I mean, it's just amazing household of of you know. It, it's just you know very inspiring people that that have done things that you know in, in in like you said that have been challenged so much in their lives and uh, and it really made me think it, i i really think it changed me uh, from where i could have uh, went in my life and where where i ended up so he's actually a, a number one hit songwriter kevin this guy right here he wrote uh That's don't awesome. blink you ever heard don't blink by kenny chesney yeah yeah, yeah. You heard uh, something yeah. to be proud of by Montgomery Gentry. I'll have to look that one up. Something to look be proud up. of. Yeah, he's got three number one hits and a bunch of Sheesh. other hits. Yeah, he, but only three number one. So I kind of rag him out about that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some number one sound like number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all sound like number two to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was funny. He he mentioned. He said that he could beat both of us in tying our shoes right and that's not saying a whole lot considering <laughs> i haven't tied my shoes in years 
So you need to think of something else. Yeah. If I you're mean, gonna get me, it ain't gonna. I'm like, yeah, you probably can. Oh, and, man, you know, you could be slow too, and and because I I wear boots, so uh, I haven't in a long time tied my shoes. Unfortunately, I can't reach that far down anymore. So, but you know, uh, I don't let that hold me back. <laughs> don't let it challenge don't, you, Marty. Don't, don't let it challenge you. I won't. I will okay. not. Just Let a, it define me. Uh, hey, uh, in the middle of wearing, oh, go ahead. Boot wearing Doughboy, man. Boot, boot wearing Doughboy <laughs> with the beard. You're owning that one. Every owning. day. You know man. Shoe tying. Ain't it? <laughs> in the middle of every episode, we do a segment called What Not to Eat. This is things that just are nasty and that most people wouldn't eat, but people around the world do eat. Now, you've been around the world, so maybe you've eaten some of these things. I'd be kind of disgusted if you have <laughs> yeah, but uh yeah. i hope that i meet somebody someday that's eating one of the things that we come up with on these shows anyway <laughs> here we go what not to eat you might have eaten a few things in your lifetime i know chris and marty sure have but these are things they would never eat this is what not to eat <laughs> mine is uh called kopi luwak it's the world's most expensive coffee, Kevin, and for good reason. It's $150 a pound. It's made from coffee berry beans that have been eaten and then pooped out by civets, which is a small mammal that looks like a raccoon, fox, cat. I don't know really what it is, but uh, it's a weird-looking animal, and it eats these beans and poops them out. And I don't know how they clean the bean or what they do if they just pop the the poop and the coffee and stir it around. I don't know what they do. Looks like he's making a pot right now. Look at that. There he, it is. He's kind of squatting, squatting a pot. Do we have a picture of the the the? There it is. That's the oh, turd. Oh man! You get that in stores worldwide if you have enough money. That's a baby Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, look at that baby Ruth. Baby Ruth <laughs> coffee. <laughs> I can't wait to meet Kevin someday. We're going to have some of that coffee, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll help you in your you MMA know, I, training. I'll try it once, man. Yeah, Are yeah, you really? that'll be real pumped up. Where did they man. find that animal? Like, let, let's slow down a second. Like, when did they decide that animal was the one they wanted to eat poop coffee from? I mean, I'm, that picture is wild. That looks like And a have they tried creature. any other animals? Like, does it taste know, different like, from any other animal? Have they tried humans? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't know. The, who, just whoever because decided it's out of that animal, it's, I'm curious. I mean, like that animal looks like God messed up or he quit halfway. I mean, that thing doesn't even make sense. It's like a hyena leopard. I mean, also, that thing's crazy. Also, think about the turd that it pooped out. It looks exactly like it didn't chew any of those nuts up, those beans up. It really does. Yeah. Which is awkward. I guess it just swallows food whole. It's a weird situation to go and see a turd on the ground and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make coffee out of that. Somebody did that, Kevin. They didn't let Probably the fact a that, prank to someone else. No, you know <laughs> what it is. Good. They didn't let the fact that that was a turd hold them back, Kevin. They said we're gonna take that, yeah, and we're gonna make through the adversity best of it. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a, there's you a story. Just twisted my message, man. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> What's yours? Everybody goes through some crap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> literally, and, literally, and then literally. Okay. So mine is just it's very simply stink bugs. Mm. It's just called stink bugs. It's simple. It's served in Africa. They can be eaten raw or cooked, 
and are said to have an apple flavor as well as a tranquilizing effect. Hmm. Wow. Oh, I, man. Stink bugs. Stink bugs. I'll try one of those. I got a million of those at my house. I might just pop one in my mouth someday. Oh, yeah, I sent it to <laughs> Please you. Please don't. <laughs> oh, man. Well, here, I, I, can, I can show it to the that camera. That was Ben talking just for the <laughs> listeners because they can't hear him. Here, I'll just do this. Just show it to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You probably can't see that. You can't see that at all. <laughs> It's anyway, just simply stink bugs. It's I mean, just stink bugs. Everybody knows what stink bugs look like. Well, these look deep fried, though. So I'm just saying. You know, they whatever it is, they <laughs> we know what a stink bug is. So it's a good Man. thing that that's the one he didn't have. But they have a tranquilizing effect. Oh, you get high off of them. Yeah, well, it says an apple flavor as well as a tranquilizing effect. It's like, I wonder, do people who are, Man, whew, I had too many stink bugs last night. Golly, I'm so. We did just eat crickets the other day. Remember we that? did. Yeah. You ever had a cricket, Kevin? Uh, never a cricket. I've eaten a lot of weird stuff out in Asia, uh, but not a cricket, not yet, uh, that I know of. Uh, how does this work? So if I come out, you guys are in Nashville, right? Yeah. yeah. What we could do, what we could do is we could eat a stink bug and get kind of paralyzed from it, and then we mm-hmm. could have right. the poop coffee to get us out of it. Or hey, It's like an upper and a downer. Yeah, like go. Elvis Presley used to do. Yeah, exactly. You got a picture, Ben? <laughs> Oh, here we go. Is that Man, that? Man, look that at that. It's probably not it the exact one, but it's, it's, it's. Is that, I can't tell what that is. It's so small. Is that, is that stink bugs? basil on that or something? Yeah, you got to garnish it. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be garnished the correct <laughs> yeah. way. It has to be garnished or you can't eat it. Yeah, stink. I mean. Come it, on. Who eats stink bugs without basil? Nobody. Uh, <laughs> it's like peanut butter without jelly. Kevin, I'll tell you right now, you come here and you say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to eat stink bugs and drink poop coffee together, <laughs> and we'll do it just for you, buddy. You'll oh, set man. it up? There's not, many things yeah, that I wouldn't do with, if you, there's not many things that I wouldn't do with you because of your story. You, you could just say, hey, let's go do this, and I'm going to go with you. I don't, whatever it is, I'm, I'm like a ride it. or die. Kevin, I'm a Kevin, At- I'm a Kevin Atlas that. fan. You said you're going to remember that? Uh-oh. He's, he's I just, thought he was out. <laughs> he's like, I, I'm out. I can't take that. I'm going to remember that, Click. <laughs> he's like. I'm gone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. something's happening. Uh-oh. Was, uh, you said too much, I man. I said too much. You, <laughs> I, I think he's in California, too, so. Yeah. I don't know. Might <laughs> said, be an earthquake man, I'll do anything with you, Kevin. <laughs> Click. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I yeah, don't like I, that. I'm not down with all that. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> Click. No. And he's gone, too. That's Internet. a hard no. Internet shut down. Internet's gone over there. You think that's what it is? I don't know. It might be. It might be you though. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's struggling. Um. So anyway, Chris. You, yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> you look lovely today. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I your hair's it. looking extra shiny. Uh, oh man, it is kind of. I do have. Can I touch it? A, no. Why? He says he's back in. Oh, Kevin Atlas. He's back in. The man. Oh, here we go. I don't see him. Kevin Atlas. Kevin Atlas. Hey, yeah, <laughs> there Kevin he is. Atlas. Hey. Hey. Hey, Kevin Atlas. Kevin, man, I thought hey. I thought you were gone. He's like, <laughs> Marty's like, you hey, me you know what? I'll do I'm anything out. with you. Click. Yeah. 
I was like, he's I, gone. I was too forward. I knew <laughs> it, it was too forward with you. I knew it when I said that it was too forward. And and sure yeah, enough, <laughs> sure enough, he he's couldn't like, handle it. I, he's like, I didn't sign up for this. I I can't I'm do not. this. I've lost so I many friends that way, Kevin. Bugs with the, the stink, stink bugs with basil and poop coffee is where I draw the line, right? <laughs> Anything else? I thought it was just when I said you and me are going to do things together and yeah. I'll do anything. You were like you. poop you were like poop coffee fine. Stink bugs awesome. Oh, you want to hang out? Click click. <laughs> Don't worry, Kevin. I it was I hurtful. Apologize. It was yeah. hurtful. Don't worry, Kevin. <laughs> I've had my feelings hurt quite a bit. Quite a bit. Now, what is the uh, Believe in You series? Is that the one? That's not the one you just mentioned, right? That's different. This is a, a different series. It's actually free for everybody. So with a collaboration of Varsity Brands, who does, you know, BSN Sports, Varsity Spirit, Herf Jones, they have this company called Varsity Brands, which I'm the face of. And, you know, I go on a speaking tour with. This series is a, a mini series that we have online at believeinyou.com. And essentially what it is, is an educational platform for people to learn from some of the most incredible people on the planet. I have Allison Schmidt, who's won a couple of golden medals as a swimmer, uh, you know, in the Olympics. And she, her episode is themed about mental health and wellness. I mean, although being a, a world athlete, she still deals with these, you know, mental issues. Uh, Michael Phelps is her mentor. They live, you know, together and help each other out. We have Mark Henry, world's strongest man, WWE rock star. Mm. I have Uriah Faber on there with health and fitness. So we have awesome, incredible guests, but we try to make it really action-packed and you know high production, just so the kids in their schools are you know not entranced in their cell phones. They all have ADD, so really just grabbing their attention and educating them in a different way. You know, as that old, you know, it's 21st century kids learning. You know in the 20th century teachers teaching them 19th century education and 18th century methods. And it's just not really functioning the right way. So we wanted to mix up education. And now that COVID hit and there's virtual learning, people just weren't equipped with curriculums. And so now physical education, PE across the country is using the Believe in You series. So, you know, I'm getting letters at my front door from middle schoolers, high schoolers. I'm believe in you series they're doing in schools now which is pretty cool that's awesome mm -hmm. it just keeps growing the story of of kevin how do you say your actual last name lao well that was my old last name i'm kevin atlas now but i grew up as kevin lao yeah l-a-u-e that was very impressive you changed your name legally to atlas yeah yeah i did yeah wow i wish i had a real cool story for it uh I was the last in my family line that had Lao, and I, uh, you know, to me it was just not becoming a product of my circumstance, and really grasping like this is this is who I am, this is my future, this represents me. I really want to impact the people that I can reach and put them on my back, and you know, Lao L A U E. It's like, can I buy a vowel? Like, <laughs> what a complicated name that just didn't have any sort of family pride or anything to it. Uh, so yeah, I, I did change it. Drives yeah, a lot of what is it? What is that crazy. name? The origin of that name? It's, so it's German. So LAU is Asian, and LAUE is German, pronounced the same way. Lao. Wow. No, it's yeah. it's Lao, not Wow. Oh, not Wow. Okay, it, it's yeah. Lao. Yeah, it was Lao. Now it's Atlas. It was, which is a now lot cooler. Now it's upgraded. 
It yeah. is a little bit cooler, let's be honest. I Not a like little it. bit. It's a lot bit. It's a lot bit cooler. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Good you, move. You would have you been cool whether you were called Kevin Lau or Kevin Atlas anyway, regardless. So, I appreciate that. You wrote a book called Get in the Game. When did you write that book? Oh, man. that I don't type very fast, my man. I don't have enough fingers for that. I drove my publication company crazy, Worthy Publishing, that's actually based out in Tennessee. Uh, it took, uh, it was supposed to take us like six months. It took us a year and six months, about 18. Um, and I released it in February, which seemed like a good plan. And then COVID hit. So it's been a, uh, you know, a rough year for the, the canceled book tour, which is yeah. not the year to release a book apparently, but we'll get back into it after, you know, vaccines are out there and we're back on the road again. But yeah, I created this, this book, get in the game and, you know, it's a great mix between autobiography and stories, but it's really messaging. I wanted to make a book that was applicable to anybody. I mean, businessmen, uh, to ask to just individuals that want a self-help help book. So, uh, again, I, you know, it's not that I'm the wisest person in the world, but I have met some incredible individuals and, and just learned from them and sponged up their wisdom and thought it would be cool to, to create a book that's just projecting that wisdom uh, for anyone who takes the time to read it. Hmm. So this is recent. This this book was just released, apparently. Yeah, this year. This year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's perfect for you because your whole life has been how to survive in adversity, through adversity. So now you're doing the same thing with this book release, right? It's, an, it's, it's nothing new speed for you. bump, man. We'll get through it. We'll it's get nothing, through it. It's nothing new for you, buddy. <laughs> you got you got plenty of uh, plenty of gusto. Um, I appreciate that. When you were playing basketball, when you very, when you first started, like, how did you just fill me in on how you said, okay, what was the starting point? Did you just start with like, I got to learn how to dribble. You just start with, I'm just going to be a blocker and be a defensive player. What, what, how did that, what was your mindset? So what, uh, you know, I got, I got cut from that seventh grade team and you know, uh, I, God closes the door, opens a window kind of thing. I got a call from this coach. He called my mom and he asked me to come try out for his AAU program. We didn't know that they were ranked. We didn't know that they were all the MVPs from the San Francisco area. And they were all seniors in high school. And a lot of them already signed division one scholarships. We didn't know any of that. This coach heard about a one-armed kid, couldn't make a seventh grade team. And he called my mom. I don't know how he got our number even to this day asked me to come try out. I show up and I got one arm in and I, you know, I get dunked on a hundred times. They had like a dunk competition on me while we were scrimmaging and I, I sucked. I mean, I'd never played. Uh, these guys are really good. And that's when my coach stopped trying to Kev, why don't you coach and why don't you use it when you play that thing's a weapon. And so he taught me to just jab people with it. So all of a sudden he starts, blows the whistle. We start playing and I just start nubbing the hell out of everybody. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, people stopped dunking on me and people stopped getting around me and people stopped scoring on me because I was just nubbing the heck out of them. And they, they said it was unfair. And that, that was the ticket right there. When another player says it's unfair that you have one arm, not for me, for them, <laughs> yeah. that's when I knew there was something there. That was cool. Yeah, and yeah. so he gave me a jersey, <laughs> gave me a spot on the team. And I'm not playing with seventh graders. I'm now playing with you know, college bound D1 athletes. So now I'm playing at a whole different league and I was terrible, but I was playing up. And so I got better so much quicker, got conditioned. 
Um, that same coach challenged me. He said, you're, I'm a big habit guy, routine. You got to build a healthy set failure in life. And, you know, he called me out on that. And, you know, three out of every 10,000 high school players, male players in America get a D1 scholarship. It's never going to happen for you because you go home, you eat a snack, you watch Netflix, you come to practice, think that's all you're going to work for a whole day. Like every other basketball player isn't going to practice. You go back home, procrastinate in homework. Don't do it because you're on your Xbox or you're on social media. You wake up the next day, you do the same damn thing, and you're stuck in this routine where you're just floating through life. And so he snapped me out of that, and that was the best thing that man could have ever done for me. Because now I had to, I, you know, I was just awake, I was woke, and I had to, you know, start embracing these new routines to dissect my weaknesses and get better. For instance, this arm wasn't strong. You couldn't pull it down. You know, I'll give you $1,000 if you could pull this arm down. You can't do it. It's just too powerful. It doesn't look like it. But it's ridiculously powerful now because this coach, he snapped me out of my bad routine and coaches didn't know how to work me out in the weight room because I had one arm. They sent me home while the rest of the team worked out. So I went home and I get a duffel bag suitcase and fill it with bricks, put the straps around this nub. I lifted a hundred times. So when I went home, that became my routine. They say it takes 21 days to make a new habit. I started going home before I went inside every day and I, I grabbed the bag of bricks, lifted it a hundred times. All of a sudden, no one could pull this thing down. I started running two miles before school, Monday through Friday, 10 miles a week, 20 or 40 miles a month, right? It's crazy to come. Stamina was so great. And I became strong. I just nubbed people anyway. I became a defensive master. The only natural thing I was good at was shot blocking. And then I started adding more parts to the game. I was rebounding. This is my key. You're not getting the ball. You're not going to make it. I'll swat it. If you get it past me, I'm getting the rebound. And that's how I started. So you couldn't take me off the court. Offensively, I wasn't great. But defensively, I was a monster. And you couldn't take me off. I changed the whole game. Uh, my senior year of high school, I was, well, you'll get a kick out of this story. I, uh, I was featured in the Super Bowl edition of Sports Illustrated. And I was averaging about a triple-double in high school. And uh, I, I got a call in my English class from an area code. There's no number behind it. And I picked my phone up in class. And they said, is this Kevin? And I said, yeah. And they said, this is the White House. And I hung up on him. I thought it was a prank call. Uh, probably shouldn't have done that. But they called me back. And I walked out in the hallway. And they said, the President of the United States, it was George W. Bush at the time, saw me in Sports Illustrated. And he was really inspired by me and wanted to meet me. Asked me if I'd be interested in, in meeting him. So they set it up where about a month later, the president of the United States of America flew out on Air Force One to meet this 17-year-old kid. I got to meet him right off the plane. Spent like 30, 40 minutes with him just talking, hanging out. It was such an incredible experience. Uh, so that, that that's a big turnaround from not making your seventh grade team. Being recognized by the alpha person in the for playing basketball with one arm. That's the power of some coach believing in you versus a coach saying, this isn't your sport. You don't have two hands. That's the power of changing your habits and routines. That's the power of self-love and learning to embrace yourself, whether it be a beard, a nub. Maybe you just like to only make three number one hit songs instead of four. Whatever your nub is, man, you embrace that. You accept that you push forward. And, and that change was in a very short quantity of time. That was four and a half years. So, yeah, man, I was a defensive master and then worked on offense as I went. Uh, but, but that was all through encouragement of others. I love that. I do, too. That's, That's awesome. a great story and a very encouraging. It don't get much more encouraging than that. Nope. It's only one story more encouraging than that. 
and that's Rudy Rudiger. No, I'm just messing with you. I do love his story, Rudy. though. Rudy, Rudy. Have you seen that? Rudy, that you know, you know the story of Rudy. He came to my high school. I was, a, I think, a sophomore in high school. He came Did he really? My school. Yeah, they got him somehow. I don't know how they got him, but they got him. They paid a lot of money. We're all you were in the rich Rudy. area. Yeah, you just I proved was. it right there. You Silicon were Valley, the rich man. kids, they man. Paid, yeah, they paid a lot for him. I think he was getting at one point half a million dollars an engagement. So. You pay, they paid a lot of money for you. But he's – look, I had it. I'd pay him to hang out with him for a day. Anyway, did you uh, – you got you, – you you actually entered the draft. Did you – do you have any resentment that you didn't get drafted in the NBA? No, I, I got injured in college. I tore my uh, rotator cuff. Uh, and I didn't tell the coaches because I was afraid of losing my scholarship. I remember – you know, when you have one arm, it's kind of interesting. And I was weightlifting and I, and I ripped it. And, you know, I, I had a couple practices where I put it in my hip just so like I couldn't even put it up to defend. Uh, college was an experience. I ended up graduating in three years, taking 40 credits a year. Uh, I had three completely different coaching staffs each year I played, which is challenging. So the coach that essentially recruited me went off to coach for Cal Perry and then actually Chris Mullen at, at St. John's. So now I'm stuck with guys who don't necessarily know me or believe in me, uh, you know, and it, and, and it was a challenging experience. I mean, you have to reprove yourself. So I, I had opportunities to play overseas. I had opportunities to play with the Globetrotters. Uh, but I just didn't put in enough, you know, in, in college to really make that leap to the NBA. Uh, you know, for all the reasons it was hard to play in college would have been very great marketing purposing for the NBA, even if I only got a couple scrap minutes, uh, you know, just for an encouragement, you know, for people with disabilities all over the world to start believing in them. And it's not like I'm not 6'11 and 280 pounds. It's, you know, I, I, I can hold my own. Uh, but but it's, it's this, you got to think, man, it's the second most popular sport in the world. The second is behind soccer. I mean, and it isn't like there's 52 guys and guys getting injured like on a football team. You're talking about a basketball team made up of 14 or 15 guys. And then you're talking about like LeBron James who's been in a team since he's not a lot of opportunity to really make it in the NBA. You know, a lot of guys that even get in go go down to the you know, the G League. So it's, it's a very challenging situation to even have the opportunity and the shot to be able to to get there. I mean, you're talking 10 players, the top of college will probably last and have full careers in the NBA today. The game's changed and it's probably the most competitive sport, in my opinion, to be able to play at that level. I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, for, for the sake of this interview, I'll call, I'll, I'll go with you. No, this, challenge this me on it. Challenge it. How's, well, no, no how so? No way like, is more, there another... To me, there's no way it's more competitive than football. I just can't see that being the case. Um, and even and even soccer to think about how hard it would be to get on a soccer team in other countries. Now I don't know about America, but football. You you have to like with well with basketball too, but it, it's tough to say it's more competitive than than basketball. Or basketball is more competitive than football because they're both the very few, very few. If you look at the the number of college athletes in basketball and football and even baseball, all all of that. All the, the three big ones. You look at the massive number of college athletes, and they are some amazing players. 
like you said, the only, only the upper echelon even get a chance to go. But they don't even the upper echelon don't always make it because they already have the best players on playing NFL, the best players playing in the NBA. NFL used to be the number one sport uh, in America. It used to be the number one sport in America for years. NASCAR I guess basketball has yeah. now passed it, which I can understand that because it. You know the thing I don't like about it though is and 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 now the NFL is doing what the NBA has been doing for a long time. The NFL was always uh, this team versus this team. It was Dallas Cowboys versus Washington Redskins or whatever. And the NBA was always LeBron James and the Heat versus Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. So they took the team out of it where the NFL left it as only team. There was no – there was marquee names, but they weren't mentioned as a selling point. Now the NFL does exactly what the NBA does, and it's Tom Brady and the and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus whoever else. And uh, so I don't like that aspect of it, and I think they're trying to now because they're not number one anymore catch up to the NBA. But it's it's a uh, it's apples to oranges. If for you you, you like basketball, so you're going to say that basketball is the most competitive. Well, I, well, my 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 point was is is. Uh... You know, my, in college, I had a guy from France on my team, a guy from Africa on my team, a guy from Norway on my team, and none of those countries really play football. So it's Americans competing against Americans, where in basketball, you're competing against every country in the planet. They play basketball. I mean, like, you know, they're, they're picking up, you know, football in Canada and in baseball, yeah, huge in Japan and Cuba, but, like, basketball is a sport that's so easy to just pick up a ball and play that it's, it's internationally big everywhere so it's like you're it's not it's not even like maybe it's harder to play sport it's that you're you're competing against guys from all over the world whereas you know football is that huge sport in america and honestly it's my favorite sport to watch in in america i mean just in general i love football i'm a big time football fan but you know you're just not you know i mean maybe rugby out in australia there's there's not guys coming over from overseas to come and take those spots. And, and then it's just the quantity of players on a team, uh, which is, you know, you have four times as many players on a football team and they often get more, you know, injured as prone to basketball players, not as physical sport at all. I'm not saying it's harder. Um, and, and in America, it's very challenging. I'm not taking anything from football or baseball, I think is the most natural talent. That's what I'm But, uh, you know, it's, you just not competing with international kids coming from overseas and there's so many of them who all want to play i mean if you look at the top 10 players in the nba you're going to find some foreigners in there the mvp uh isn't from america for the last two years uh and Giannis. so it's it's just that that global sport that's just and the teams are so small it's just like so hard to you know get that spot that's a that's a good point i think you might you might have convinced me i didn't think about all the I didn't think about all the uh, the players that do come from other countries, and I think that that's more that's happening more now than it did when I used to watch basketball. Though, I think back when I watched basketball, the only foreign players I can think of are Marc Gasol, Pau Gasol, um, Manute, <laughs> Manute Bowl. Yeah, that's way back. Oh, I know. And uh, well, his son's playing now. His son's doing well. Um, and then you he? have you had Dirk, obviously from Germany. You had uh, you have you had some big players. I guess, you, but I guess I mean, you always Yao had Ming some, some China. Tim Duncan. 
Tony Parker. Yeah. I guess you always had uh, overseas players. They just you just don't really realize that they're from another country. I guess. Yeah. Tony Parker, I think, was from France or something. Yeah, you might be right. You know what, Kevin? You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll concede. You won. Look, <laughs> he just keeps on one. winning. <laughs> All he knows is winning. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> That's his theme song when he comes out to speeches, isn't it? Is that is that what you, you come out to music? I should, man. I'm going to now, but it's not going to be that. It's going to be polka. I got to come out to polka. Please, Uh-oh. but man. it has to, it has my, to be the one where intro. you're playing the accordion. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get the booty money. Come out to polka. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Listen, what's next for you? I think I, you've already you've already answered that. But is there anything that that is next that you haven't answered? You got so many things coming up. Is there anything that you yeah. haven't told us about? Well, you know, I have the, the motion picture we're working hard on. We have the Whatever It Takes show we're working on. And both of those, you know, hoping to gain more traction. We have the Believe in You series. You can watch now at BelieveInYou.com and get in the game. You can get on Amazon. Uh, but I think that the thing that is uh, keeping my time controlling it the most is I just born son who is eight weeks today. Uh, wow. So that's been congratulations, a congratulations, sure. man! That's thank awesome. you, thank you. It's a blessing, man. He's cool, cool little dude. He's tall, man. He's taller than I was at his age. He's oh he's no, got two he's arms he... too. He's got a wingspan. It's crazy, man. man. He's, he's gonna be a big boy. Yeah. Nice. I'm envious. <laughs> I've always wished I was six foot nine or something like that. I, but you know, then I try to. Then I see a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Adam Strom. You know, uh, Braun Strowman. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's a buddy of mine, and he I watched him the other day. He got into this car, this little sports car, and he fit in, but he was like this, and he, he was the wheel was up here, and he just looks over, and I was like, man, you really don't understand that they don't build everything and make every – like doorways are not really – made for people your height and his height you know even though even though you're not going you're not going to hit your head but i'm sure when you walk under a a 7 foot door you still you're ducking your head are you not yeah you know i am i mean most doors are made at 6 8 height limit and most right. people don't know this uh that i believe it's 4 8 and smaller whatever politically correct is a uh, you know a dwarf uh, 6 9 and taller is considered a legal giant uh, pretty much nobody knows that you're legally a giant if you're six nine or taller. And the world was really made for for you know six six or under. And uh, a lot of sports cars were created that way because of the F16 cockpit, um, and they based it off of that. So yeah, sports cars. You, you see The Rock making fun of you know Kevin Hart like getting in that thing. You need a booster seat, and he you know responds, "Your rhino butt can't get in this thing." And he's right. I mean, you just can't fit in cars, planes, clothes. Uh, I live in a small tiny world i guess perspectively you ever go into like a kindergarten class where all the tables and chairs are smaller well the whole yeah. world kind of looks like that you hit your head on yeah. everything so you just duck all the time for no reason even if you're not going to hit your head so it, it's almost like blinking like a second just a sense you just start ducking for everything and then you have too many beers and that sense goes away and you wake <laughs> up with all these lines on your head a friend mm, of mine a is he's around six eight six nine and, and he, he he always tells me that yeah, he always gets the same, the same people say the same things to him, you know, like, you know, how's the weather up there? Or, you know, they always ask him how, you know, they always say, 
And uh, my my favorite response, uh, he 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 says uh, when they say how's the weather up there, he turns his head and 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 does a raspberry, and he goes, "It's about the rain." Because <laughs> it's coming down on them. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's good. The I can't believe that people would still say, "How's the weather up there?" That's, they still do. He says they say, "Yeah, how's the weather oh, up man. there?" And they always, you know, they always ask you, "How tall are you?" Well, yeah, now, he's up, yeah. and, and he I'm says, a, "I'm a victim of asking." I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not a victim. I am uh, somebody who has asked many people uh, how tall they are. I'm fascinated yeah. by tall people. I really am. Yeah, traveling yeah. traveling a lot. I, I get it, you know, probably a dozen times a week. Oh, uh, man, yeah. It ain't about my height. It's about my arm or whatever. You just got to have patience with it. It's just natural curiosity. But, yeah, it can well, yeah, be. yeah, yeah. Does it bother yeah, you just, when uh, somebody asks you about your height? Um, no, I mean, living out of airports, you're almost asking for it. Having headphones on is – I don't feel like being a standoff individual, but sometimes you just need your space and – uh it's a lot. I mean, sometimes you just get hit with it, like in a theme park or something. People right. just ask you nonstop. So I've never really like hocked a loogie. I've heard like that before. Uh, I just kind of have patience with it. I remember when I was growing up, my dad's six, nine and a half. He's about six, ten. And I thought it was the coolest thing when people asked him. I thought it was, you know, I looked up to him like he was a superhero. Right. So. Uh, I just try to hold on to that memory, and it gives me a little bit more patience, I think. Oh, yeah. People ask me every, almost every day, they say, how long have you been growing that beard? That's no lie. All the time. Or they'll say, <laughs> or they'll say, Doug Dynasty. And I'll be like, hey, I was growing this beard way before Doug <laughs> Dynasty was even known. Now, they, they probably had a company then, but that's my, the truth. My thing is grocery stores and, and women wanting to touch my hair. I literally like once every couple of weeks I'll be in a grocery store and there'll be a woman say, Oh, your hair. Can I touch your hair? Mm. And my wife's like, oh, get off. What of kind of grocery store is you shopping in? <laughs> well, I, let's weird. not get into that. Okay. It's some weird let's stuff, not, man. Don't judge me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Come over here. Let me touch your hair. grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, we end every show with an unbelievable fact, and we'll let you go to sleep because I can tell you just got done with your jujitsu training and you're about to pass out. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen on the show. I'd rather you do that after we end so we can act like it ended happy. Okay? Oh, my man. Unbelievable fact for this episode. Here we go. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. A Canadian company started selling fresh air in a can as a joke. And then Chinese consumers made it a real thing by paying $20 a can for fresh air. Fact. What do you think about that, Kevin? Well, uh, to be honest, being in California this year, where the whole state has essentially been burning down, uh, being in China, Beijing, Shanghai, and being in that air quality and having days where you can't go outside, uh, you once said, not not my era, but people once said bottled water was a joke. Yeah, people said true. bottled water was a joke, and it's funny enough. Air, uh, you know, if you live in California this year, you ain't laughing. I'll tell you, like, Man. I wish I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we've had fires before, but the sky's been red for weeks. 
Uh, you walk, I can't even walk my baby outside. It'll get asthma. I mean, it'll develop it. I mean, the air quality was so bad. It was the worst in the world because all the fires. Wow. Uh, yes, <laughs> I would love to just nail this and make fun of it so hard, but it is getting all too real with the air quality in certain places of the planet. We're about fresh, uh, you know, just a, a breath of fresh air. Hopefully won't be essential sometime in the future, but uh, you know, there are some days I might spend 20 bucks on that out here. It was that bad. I just don't think uh, getting the can in and going, I just don't think that's really doing anything. Well, you know, they um, actually they had some here in Nashville. They, they actually had a couple of oxygen bars. Have you ever been to those? Yeah, but this ain't that. This mm. is literally a can. It's a can. That they just, just a can. put yeah. compression in like a Coke can. And they, pay, they, they sold them. So it was like they would open them and. Whatever was in there, when it really wasn't even the air, it was some compressed air that they put in there. Was this a paint can that you uh, you sniffed a paint sniffed can? A now, paint that, can. now that yeah. sounds fun. <laughs> right? What if you put a stink bug in one of them? Right. And, and a, a turd, man, and, and, and a, a coffee, coffee turd. turd. That's right. Well, we figured it out. We we know what we're going to make <laughs> yeah. our millions on. Oh yeah. Thank you for the help, Kevin. You've motivated us, and hey, we man, appreciate we you. you. But That's seriously, a weird business, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the camera right there. Thank you so much, brother, for uh, coming on this lowly show with your amazing gifts and and stories and motivation and inspiration. I love you to death, even though I don't know you. But if I ever see you, I'm going to hug you, whether you like it or not. I appreciate that. I and, love uh, it, man. I love God it. bless you, brother. God bless you too, man. Thank you guys for having Thank me. Thank you so much, Kevin. Ah, thank y'all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. Thank you, Kevin Atlas, for being on the show. For all of you listening and enjoy listening, you might enjoy watching as well. You can go to our YouTube channel now and see the videos that are posted. The Marty Ray Project Chats on YouTube. Love you.